0: Podcasting from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, known as the City of Bridges, this is Knights of the Revolutionary Leader, conversations of influence and change. I am your host, Christy Knights, C-suite executive coach, expert witness, psychotherapist, professional speaker, and best-selling author, the revolutionary leader in business and life. It is so good to be with you today and wait until you hear who I have as a guest today. She is one incredible woman who just shakes the globe no matter what she does, whether it's professionally, personally, or serving and giving back to others. I am so excited to have her on the podcast and really showcase her as a hero. Um, Her name is Debbie Dashinger. Yes, I have Debbie Dashinger here with us today, and let me share with you a little bit about her before she begins to share her story. Debbie Dashinger is a media visibility expert who works with spiritual professionals to put together the puzzle of writing a page-turner book, take their book to international bestseller, and get booked on media interviews. Debbie helps clients turn their visibility into paid customers and becoming the go-to authority in their field. She is also a media personality, a motivational speaker, and has been featured on the cover of Spirit, My Authentic Life, and published magazines. A popular media guest, Debbie has been interviewed on more than 800 media outlets and hosted the syndicated Dare to Dream podcast now in its 11th year. Awards include Editor's Pick featured intriguing creator, successful achievements from Voices of Women worldwide, and recipients of the Heart and Spirit Award from the Evolutionary Business Council. Debbie has been twice featured as an icon of influence, is a certified coach, and three-time international bestseller. You can find everything about Debbie and her services at com. That's D-E-B-B-I-N. D-A-C-H-I-N-G-E-R.com. And I am ready to get started with Debbie. What an
1: introduction. How are you today, Debbie? I am really happy to be with you. As I was sharing before the show started, I was very impressed when I read about you and the direction that you take this show. I thought this is a great service to people at a really important time. So I appreciate you inviting me on to be a shero today.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, As you know, I'm passionate about my work and truly showcasing the heroes in society. So, Debbie, share with us a little bit about yourself in terms of your journey to where you're at today professionally.
1: My journey is twofold. It it was about duality because I was clearly born from a peanut-sized age, meaning like kind of months old, it was really clear that there was an extroversion about me and that I was really meant to be in front of people and that I thrived. And it also came out, for instance, my uncle got married. I'm from New York originally. And because we lived in Long Island and the wedding was going to be way up, many, many hours in upstate New York to his bride-to-be, my grandfather, who I adored so much, rented this, these beautiful, luxurious buses to bus everybody, all the attendees for the wedding up to upstate New York. And there I was, I don't know if I was all of six years old, but the entire time I stood in the middle of the bus and sang songs like a jukebox to entertain everyone on the bus. (laughs) I love it. It was so in my wheelhouse and the duality part comes. That I came from a household that was problematic. And the problem part was the father figure, the mother figure had a lot going on in their space. And it it caused it to be difficult for them to show up in a way I feel a parent should, meaning to feel special, heard, seen, know someone as your back. And so although I was built for this, the wound that I was growing up with was, I'm not meant to be seen. I'm not meant to be heard. I'm not special. I don't have a voice. And that's an amazing thing to come up through. And because I have always had this really important thread that I believe is inside of me, indigenously, about growing, like whatever it takes to get to the other side of something mm-hmm. that i i kept taking on pieces to heal. And at some point, you know, there was a really blessed marriage where the wound became the gift and I was able to own it and be that out in the world. Wow. And I might say just as an addendum, what is also sort of cool about the wound is that because I do everything I coach out in the world, I'm on camera, I'm on mic, I write the books, et cetera. I'm on podcast. When people come, for me to mentor and train them, do my programs, I know what they're going through from whatever part of the spectrum they're working on. So it tends to be a really, uh, really good working relationship. Absolutely. So as you were growing up in that
0: house and, and some of the pain you may have experienced, how did you cope with it,
1: not having that voice? How did you deal with that? Several ways. Well. When I was younger, I just did it. I was fearless in a way because it was my outlet, you know? One thing that saved me, I think, was creativity. I played violin. I went to dance class. I sang. I started going to summer stock. I know this is going to sound crazy, but honestly, I was five years old when I went to my first camp, wow. fully away for the entire summer. And wow. I kept doing it till I was old enough to go to summer stock and start performing and So everything between school and outside of school was really about feeding my creativity, and that was a a God saver. Also, my grandparents, full of love, was a beautiful respite for me. So to deal with it, though, I also... (laughs) What was interesting is, so I'm reflecting a lot. So if you hear me hesitating, it's because I'm literally going back, I guess, viscerally about what that was like. And the truth is, when I wasn't on stage, when I was just quote unquote being me, which was a very suppressed me, a very, very self-conscious me. It manifested in the outside as awkwardness. I always had at least one or a couple of best friends where I was very comfortable and had a great relationship. And outside of that, on the social scene, totally awkward and always felt less than, always looked at everyone's clothes. At the beginning of the school year, they had beautiful dresses and Mm -hmm. shoes. And I remember not. I only had one pair of shoes and like, you know, one outfit, one nice pair of shoes, Mm -hmm. one sneaker, One flip-flop, and then, you know, my clothes, which didn't turn over. Yeah. And, you know, it was a lot of comparison and and discomfort. But I've really recently come to realize that even though I reflect that I was awkward and, you know, didn't know how to be with people or talk to people, the truth is I was so self-conscious. It was like I had a camera outside of me, on me, all the time, judging me, comparing me. Difficult, right?
0: Very difficult, but what a powerful analogy. I've not heard that before, but it truly captures that emotion that people express when you feel like you're not enough.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: did you struggle with some anxiety during that time or any depression (laughs) through those years?
1: Here's what's so interesting, Christy, about that question. If you had asked me any other time in my life, I would say, I don't think so. But here's what's incredible, because I had one experience in my adulthood Mm -hmm. with this big time. What I realized sometime during the inception of my depression, anxiety and PTSD is, oh, my God, this has been inside of me my whole life. What just happened actually triggered my childhood. So it's. I'm experiencing it in this moment and this devastating experience. And also at the same time, it's sort of like a ping pong, re-experiencing the original wound too. So it's quite deep. So I would say I used a lot of things growing up and everything from, you know, moving ahead, pretending I was okay to a certain point in my teenage years, definitely using drugs and alcohol. I was never an addict. Thank you, God. But but hey, I used some stuff. And then when I went into college, I definitely used some stuff and a little bit in my early 20s, you know. Mm-hmm. And at some point, it just stopped working for me. And I was really not interested. And the other thing I used, and this was only my senior year of high school through about 23 years old, I really used food. And at the time, I became obese. Okay. So. On the spectrum, you know, outside of gambling, I was kind of like (laughs) I had a hand in every pie, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Get myself through. Okay,
0: just using those different venues or those different things for escape, right? From alcohol, drugs to food, can be very common whenever we've got that pain inside. So, share with me as you reflect. How did not having a voice? How did that affect your female relationships in your?
1: 20s, 30s. What a poignant question. Mm. I would say it had tremendous impact, mm. okay. not the most positive way, because 20s, especially, it's all about roommates. It's all about living and cohabitating. And that could be difficult at best, always very good in the beginning. And at some point, it started to go awry. I had so many trust issues. I was on high alert all the time to protect myself and to see what was going on. And clearly, also, when you have the machinations going on that I've been describing, "Mm, you're going to magnetize to yourself, sort of somebody who's going to bring up some of those wounds and situations. It's not always going to be the best people. I always had a best friend and they were like the trust, the anchor in my life, the place I could go do, be myself and have fun. And there was always that one person. Yeah. And I would say that my high school best friends, and interestingly enough, I was very popular in high school and I was in like the most popular group. Uh-huh. I also, though, I think what the gift my wound gave me in high school is that knowing what it's like to feel like an outsider. That I embraced a lot of people from different sects. you know. Right. I was still friends with the jocks. I was friends with the mm-hmm. stoners. I was friends with the <laughs> yes. um, people who were nerds, the people who were, you know, and ever the who are musicians. You know, they were I knew people all over the place, and I think also it's given me a lot. The other gift is that it's given me a lot of compassion for people of different races, ethnicities. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sexual choices, it's like, uh, you know, don't mess because I believe that everyone has a right and a voice today. And uh, their own proclivities that that not only should be honored, but they should be celebrated and cherished. So it made relationships very interesting. Mm -hmm. and. Really honestly, with my mom, that was poof. We had bad times growing up because I had a lot of anger and it really started coming out. I couldn't express it when I was young. But when I started my teenage years, watch out, you know, I couldn't take it anymore, some of the things that happened. So our troubled relationship went on for a long time. I'm very happy to say that today mm-hmm. I have, and my mother, by the way, hasn't changed much, but I have. And so that is also reflected. So today I really do have a relationship with her and we go to lunch and we spend time together. We talk on the phone and, and you know, and then sometimes when I'm tapped out and it's, it's been enough and she starts behaving in certain ways that are really not comfortable, I'll just gracefully end the call. And it's all good, you know, but I have a working, functional, loving relationship with her today. That is wonderful. Clearly, you've
0: learned how to value yourself, care about yourself, and set those boundaries that allow you to have that relationship with her. Do you remember that process that you went through, that healing process of forgiving her?
1: Here's the thing, and I'm going to say this because I wonder how many people out there relate to this. Mm. Are you like one of those Oprah people (laughs) who makes people cry? Always. (laughs) This is pretty moving. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for your vulnerability.
1: Hmm. I, no matter what, and I certainly have had some wounds from my mother and father, I have a lot of love and I always cared for them. And despite what they were doing, and clearly at some point that was codependent, that was me so desperately wanting to be loved that I was taking some shit and still showing up and not having boundaries and not having a voice and not even knowing where I started and they ended and etc. Right. But the love is what carried me through. When you ask about a process, it's like I cared so much that even though I desperately wanted to just say, F you, out of my life, not doing this, not okay, not healthy, this is toxic, I still loved And I had to honor the care and the love that existed in me. And I utilized many things to get to the other side. I mean, I, for a long time, did avatar courses, which is extremely deep work. And I took it to the nth degree and really, really got to the thread bottom of some of the things that were going on that I was also Mm co-creating and discreating them and putting, implementing instead what I preferred. I would, um, you know, for a while, I worked a program, a 12-step program. I haven't in a very long time. But when I did, I really worked the steps and took ownership and, you know, several other healing and energy modalities over the year. And I want to say it wasn't a one and done. It really took years. And like, you'd see these tweaks over time, like a little better, a little better, a little more tolerance, a little more tolerance. And I don't know when it fully made its way to the other side, but I really feel like it did. And I guess the other piece of this is that really locked it in for me is this time I I mentioned earlier where I went into a depression, anxiety, PTSD for the first time. Yeah. Consciously in my life, my mom showed up. And even though she couldn't really show up emotionally fully, she did. Time, fit care packages, money for the first time, and a few other things that at that time were lifesavers. And I felt like I'll never forget that. I was yeah. so grateful. She saw you. She heard you. She gave you value in those moments. Mm. Yeah, she really cared and really had compassion. And, and it just meant so much to me to see her in that light and feel her in that way, in a way I felt like I fully had not before. And that was so transcendent for me and so I've, you know, it made me want to try even more for her when she's asked me for things to really show up, even though sometimes it's like, ah, right. I know I, but, you know, just, just to say yes, as much as I can. Right, That is so powerful. And
0: oftentimes we talk with people, our friends, our family who are not as willing or committed to the healing of themselves, or they don't have the right foundation to be able to do that, the level of resilience to do that. So can you share with our audience just a few things that kept you going that may motivate and inspire them?
1: Yeah. So um, I, the way, best way for me to describe about going is, and I'm going to use that as a reference point because that was deep. I was somebody who considered myself an optimist, an incredibly happy person. Yes, I had some you know hills and valleys like anyone else and some sad times, but yeah. I had one in particular, and it was a couple of years ago. I was in a 10-year relationship, and it ended after 10 years in a devastating, shocking way. Wow. When it went downhill, man, it was like it pulled every piece of me with. The situation, the cheats, and the lies and the betrayals, and yeah. and it was really shocking. And at the same time, I was so shocked that I could barely work. And even when I was willing to work because I had to move out of the place where we were living together and get my own place, it's like the um, the emanation from inside of me was so powerful that I was not attracting work to me. And all of a sudden, my work completely dried up. I mean for nine months. And I'm struggling to get out. And there were several other big ticket items happening at the same time. And it was too much. I felt like Atlas trying to hold everything up on my shoulders. And I went into a very deep, severe depression where it was waking up sucked because why? Being here sucked because what did I have to live for anymore? I really thought like I've done it all. I don't know anymore. I stopped all interviews. Anyone who asked to interview me is like, no way. I have no wisdom to share from this point of view. I'm not even going to, you know, and I'm not going to pretend. And very painful time. Everything halted. Yeah. And there was a lot of separation going on. So, so what I used to the best of my ability was what came along. And, um, I feel like as, as well as that emanation from inside of me that went out, that literally dried up my business overnight, the same emanation somehow was like this satellite signal. And now I was saying to the universe, bring me money, bring me money and waking up some days and going, you got to be kidding me. I, you know, I got to move and I'm in LA and it's like, do you know what rents are and everything else? And I got a business to run. Like, come on, you got to show up for me. And I was pissed off at God and the universe. Yeah. And what was happening instead of what I was asking for was healers and situations coming in to help me. Period. And I mean in droves and one would come and another would come and one would come and another would come all sorts of different modalities. And I was so beyond blessed with an abundance of love and care. Wow. And I have some miraculous friends out there who are very gifted and to a especially woman, to a a woman, every one of those sheroes said, I'm going to stand by you and make sure you get through this. I'm going to have weekly sessions with you, whatever it takes, however long it takes, which, I mean, they've got thriving businesses. And I was blown away. I used to stand back and say, I don't know what I did to deserve this. And clearly we all karmically do so much good in the world, but it was overwhelmingly beautiful. And the one thing I have learned in my life is to stand back and say yes and receive. When good comes my way, I don't try to figure it out. I open my arms and I say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I receive, I allow, I receive, I allow. So the abundance I was asking for in the form of money was not coming at that time. But the universe said, we got something a little better we think you need right now. If you're really going to make it through to the other side, and we're going to send you Karen, and she's going to do Theta. We're going to send Patty, and she's going to do Access Bars. And we're going to send, I feel like I really want to acknowledge these people. We're going to send Lisa, who knows about, um, she's my wonderful witch friend, (laughs) who does inner seeing and healing and Yes. And Lucy, who helped me with wealth principles and the masculine feminine. And, and on top of it all, I had a dog to wake up to, a fair, you know, puppy who was ours and came with me when I moved. Okay. And having her every day, walks, feedings, to have to care for somebody who was pure, unconditional love mm-hmm. was really important, too. Absolutely. I wasn't going to go anywhere with her in my life. So all of that kept me going. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing, you
0: know, when we are desperate for the the wealth just to pay the bills, how, you know, God says, oh, wait, I've got a better plan for you. It's not yours, but it's mine. And This is who I bring to you. Just, again, reassuring and giving you this this sign that, Debbie, you have amazing value, and that you are beautifully created, and you have these people embracing you. And the time was so dark. I can tell with that depression gripping you. But can you share, was there a time where you truly felt suicidal,
1: where you felt like, gosh, I can't do this anymore? 100%. Yeah. Yes, I for a long time. And again, I didn't realize it because I'd never been in a situation like that. And interestingly enough, here's another way the universe showed up. I got a call out of nowhere on my phone and an 800 number. I wouldn't typically pick it up. And it turned out it was an offshoot of my insurance company. And they said, this is really interesting. We're starting a brand new program. We haven't done this before, but... For very particular people, if you qualify, we're going to give you free uh, phone therapy for eight weeks. Eight weeks with a social worker and twice a week, and then the other time is going to be with a behavioral therapist. So they did this intake and said, Great, you know, you qualify, and the call started. And based on the intake at my very first session, the social worker therapist said to me, Listen, you know, you came up okay on certain things, but I just have to indicate to you that under depression, you came up severely depressed. And we're actually thinking you should go on something like Wellbutrin or something. Yes. that was such a wake up call for me. So I knew what I was feeling every day. But to hear those words that label severely depressed, antidepressants, oh my God. And by the way, being so transparent, I was always so judgmental about that stuff. Like, why would anyone take that? Oh, right. Right. Oof, what a wake up call. So The answer is yes, Christy, a hundred percent. And it was a struggle. And I'm not just saying on days, months and months and days and days on end. I mean, it took, just took a lot of time Mm -hmm. at putting things in place sort of to despite myself. And even though in a way they didn't really off. And I never thought, I just want to be clear. I wasn't sitting there going pills, gun, this, that. I was sort of hoping my body would just shut down. Like, let's just check out because this sucks. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: I use things like exercise and I thought, I always have exercise, but I thought, you know, I need something very challenging right now that is way beyond what I think I can do. And I had done a couple of marathons in my past so i signed myself up there's a a fitness place it's it's like on crack you know it's like <laughs> yes. it is freaking intense and it's this french guy who developed this thing it's where megan markle went to get her body and i i looked at these machines and what they were doing i'm like oh i don't even know if i can yes. do this but I you know i committed 3 times a week for at least 6 months and I did it. You know, if I'm committed, if I'm in, I will do something. It doesn't mean I didn't show up depressed and leave depressed, but I did it. Absolutely. And I got myself to do social things, which when you don't have money is yes. really interesting. It's kind of like, can we not go out to dinner and can we not right. do this? Because yes. I, I can do this, you know, to make things work. Right. Yes. But I'm a human and connection was everything. Absolutely. So I had to find a way to keep... You know, being honest with people, like life really sucks to be me right now. However, can we also spend time because the levity it gave me, the connection, the heart it gave me, it really was important.
0: Yes, yes. You know, and thank you so much for sharing that. I think so oftentimes people are experiencing darker thoughts, suicidal thoughts, and don't even recognize it until it's called out in some level, and then knowing what to do next, and you really hit on key points of submerging yourself with people, and exercise is important, but when you don't even feel like getting out of bed, just forcing it, showing up, makes a difference long-term, and you have to, unfortunately, be patient, and that's the hardest part when you feel that awful,
1: And you know what, Christy, what's so, in a way, bizarre and funny and awesome is that I would actually... um, I I naturally would wake up at seven and every day I would get dressed like I was going to work. (laughs) I would would put on this, you know, I wasn't just in sweats with my hair up, but I literally, well, I didn't put on makeup, but I did put on an outfit. Like that's as far as I could go. Mm -hmm. And nobody was coming over and I wasn't Mm going to be Skyping with anybody. And I didn't have clients at the time, but I still did it every day to have another ritual Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Now, did you make the choice to do medication or did you choose to not go that route? I did. I went on it. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I had a conversation. Um, they couldn't give me a prescription and asked me to go to my doctor and get it checked out. I was so embarrassed. My doctor had um, like a physician assistant in the room. I, was, I just had to say, do you mind if they go out? Because I just have to be Yes. letting down the guard here. This is uncomfortable. You know, you would think I was asking for some kind of sexual contraception right. or something. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, could we just be alone? Right. And I said, I wanted him to understand the backstory and just understand like, wow, how did you end up here? And to say, this, this has been a devastating year and I am having trouble getting on my feet emotionally Physically, spiritually, I'm really having trouble getting through the day. This is what the insurance company said. They asked me to come to you. Please don't put me on anything because I've heard different things over the years. So make sure it's you know, as benign as possible and really doesn't have a great impact on me other than elevating the serotonin and so he said perfect you know we'll try this and very smart you know they start you in a really low 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 dose and over after a couple of weeks start to gradually bring you up in the very beginning it felt weird the first couple of days I was like whoa I don't know what this is but I definitely feel it I talked to him and he said please stop taking that with coffee (laughs) oh okay separate those oh got it um, but otherwise, yes, and I am still on it. I am still on it because um, because hmm. it, it doesn't, I haven't thought about it much, but just from a gut reaction, I am willing to still be on this for today. Yes. And if something else needs to happen and I'm ready to be weaned off it, I believe that will come up too. I definitely don't feel depressed or anxious. I feel very settled and functional and all of that, the, you know, now for some time. But I still, yes, I still take one of those white pills every day. Yes. yes. And thank you so much for sharing
0: that. You know, as I went through my divorce, it was a very difficult time. And there was an episode that occurred, and it was just that trigger point where I went over the edge. Hmm. You know, I said the same thing to my doctor. I said, look, I need something to function um, and I I need it fast because I'm in this divorce and I've got two beautiful children um, and I call it my happy pill, um, which is very stereotypical, but you know, I've been divorced and now remarried. It's been six years and um, I love that pill and I will never give up that pill. (laughs) (laughs) Are
1: you also on Wellbutrin?
0: I am on Lexapro. Okay. Yes. And I have adult ADD. So I just started medication for that Vyvanse Mm -hmm. just about six weeks ago. And I've noticed such a difference in my ability to focus Mm -hmm. and really achieve. Um, And again, release the shame around it because it's, I choose me. Mm -hmm. I choose me. I choose not to hold on to the stereotype, right? The stigma, but like you, you chose yourself and your ability to be healthy and happy and show up in the world every single day.
1: Yeah, beautifully said, really. How cool. Um, You're naming things I haven't heard of before. It sounds, there's so many options out there today.
0: There is, there is. And what I also, I loved about what you shared is you were able to advocate for yourself. Oftentimes people are intimidated by their positions and unable to advocate, but I coach them and share, look, this is your life they want to know. If you don't agree, it's okay. Push back so you understand. And you did beautiful with advocacy. Wow. How did you develop that knowing where you had come from?
1: You know, maybe that's that's what set me up. Here's the great thing I definitely have come to know is that a wound isn't just a wound, you know, it's not just a raw thing that got a scar over it, a scab and then a scar. And then we walk around with it all the time and, oh, you know, maybe don't Mm -hmm. go there. The truth is that inherent within wounds are gifts. We would never have had we not gone through it. And I feel like because it was so hard to be me and and be visible, but I was built for visibility that all those things I had to do to keep fighting for myself, and this isn't okay, and that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Over time, it definitely took time, but advocating for myself at that level was really about one thing. I can't handle the pain, and I must believe there's something better. And even though I couldn't believe it fully in myself because I hadn't really felt it, I could look out into the world. I don't mean magazines and television, but I mean the world that I live in, the people I know intimately and say, they're happy. They're doing well. It doesn't mean they don't have shit come up in their life, but they're doing all right. And I see them as very functional and happy. And they have a lot of things in their life I don't currently because of my insides. So if that's true, then it must, as one of God's children, it must be true in me too. So it caused me to fight for myself and no matter how dark to say, there's got to be a better way. And, and I didn't just try anything. I want to say that too, because there's a lot of people out there in my business, we call it workshop hopping, mastermind hopping. Let's try this and let's try that. And the truth is they're fully confused. They never really get anywhere because they never really plant and ground themselves to understand what's going on, who they are, and what they need. You know, and this is a lot of the work I do, too, out with visibility. So I was never somebody who, um, much like Groucho Marx, I didn't want to be part of it. any club that <laughs> yes. was inviting me in. right. So, I really, that was the cigar. So yes. I, I really had this sense of like, no, 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 a lot of skepticism, but I always knew that feeling inside when it was a yes, like, yes, this, this is big. This is deep. This is going to be an experience for me. I know I need. And I've always been a little bit of a tiptoeer. Okay. whether it's about relationships or experiences. I put a toe in. And I see how I feel. I never push myself. And then if it's like a hell yeah, boom, I know it's right for me and I'm in. So that's what helped me advocate over time and really fight for myself. All those things that presented, that were absolutely the next right piece for me. So I could start to be one of those people out there who had a really functioning, thriving, thriving, happy life. And even though it it manifests differently from me because it's me, It still is that energy of joy and connection and love and all of that. Yes. So let's just segue into
0: what I teach is is that every, every place of pain, we leverage as a life lesson, and you have used so much pain to leverage into this beautiful life. Can you share with us how did that pain allow you to create what you have today in your life? Both business and personally.
1: Yeah. Couple of <laughs> couple of things yeah. that I think are wonderful, wise directions. And hearkening back to the first story I told you, it may not look like what we think we need, but if we will be open to seeing what is actually there. Yes it can be help in the most miraculous ways. And I think it's important to see it because then you can step back and embrace it. Yes. I think it's really important to trust the process, which is a, seems like probably the worst thing in the world. I could say to anybody with PTSD, anybody with anxiety, depression, anything that you feel separates you from humanity and keeps you very isolated and dark, but it's to trust the process. And here's why. It is because I really believe that what happens and what comes up, it is all perfect. And it is done in a way, <laughs> it gets our attention, and it comes up because it's meant to be healed. Yes. And if instead of running or resisting, We will say, I see you yes, and I see the aberration there and I will never have the life I really want till I embrace you because you helped me get here. However, you are begging to be healed. Let me take that journey with you. I am fully in and let us see what is on the other side. Absolutely. ah, that's beautifully said. Thank you. Thank
0: you. So, if you were to
1: write a thank you letter to someone, who would it be? Hmm. Well, it's, um, it's, it's really all the people I cried about earlier. Yeah. You know, it is the, the Karens who said, not going to leave you. I'm here every week. The, uh, all the amazing services that showed up, that was the it. That really was the it for me. Um, and the insurance company. And I, here's the interesting thing with the insurance company in my thank you letter, if I were to write a thank you letter, I actually didn't get a whole lot out of the social worker or the behavioral therapist. I am just light years ahead of what they were doing, which was yes. very basic. Yes. <laughs> However, having someone twice a week call to connect with me for 50 minutes and just say, you know, you said this last week, how was it this week? That was enough. I accepted, embrace that gift. And I'm trying to think, so many thank you letters I could, I could write. But maybe, you know, the biggest one would be to the universe for not abandoning me. Because that's really my original wound, yes. is being abandoned. And right. so, to know when I really got, oh my God, I am seeing. They really know what's going on. It has to be, because there's no way... This wealth of kindness and being gifted with all these services is coming in like it is constantly over months, weeks, days. I, people were not going to let me go. And if they were, and I had people who would cross a room, if I was in a workshop and say, I don't know why, but I'm compelled to tell you and uh, to give you this. And it's like, wow. hmm, okay, the next step. Absolutely. Yeah. So that would be my biggest thank you is to the universe. Thank you for being by my side, even when I thought you weren't. You really were working on my behalf.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So how have you used your life lessons to teach people
1: value and give back? It is so about visibility. Mm -hmm. I really believe we all have a unique voice and a unique message. I believe that the word message is broken down into me, sage, and we all are sages of our own journey and outcomes. I work with people through what my inherent gift about being visible and then my wound around being visible to help them write books because people will come to me and say, I took a class, and the teacher said, you know, something really crappy about my writing, so critical that these people gave it up. And I helped them turn that around, and they do see. They're a writer. They have a gift. I help them get books out, and it's not just people like that. It's all sorts of people who are ready to write a book. I help them write a great page turner. I think it's so important. I help them take that book into bestseller because that's real visibility. So, if you're going to write a book, don't let it sit on a shelf somewhere not being read. It's time for it to go out to the world and be the gift it was meant to be. So, I run these international guaranteed bestselling launches for people. And the final piece is that I help people get booked on interviews. And if anyone has stuff in their space, I train them. You know, because I can see what's going on. And the interesting thing about the training is obviously tech strategy. Yes. I'm also clear sentient and an empath. So, when I work with people, I mean, that's also an interesting gift from being in a very dysfunctional place, right? When you you got to figure stuff out on your own and how to survive, you become very sensitive because you're always figuring stuff out or you're not going to make it. Right. Very intuitive. Mm -hmm. Very. Yes. So that also plays into what I do. And then the flip side of visibility is, and this one is actually the biggest, my coaching, my training, my mentorship, that's a joy spot because I really love the people I work with. Where I really have to show up is me being in front of the camera and the mic and on stage because my best thinking is like, please don't do that. Let's work behind the scenes. And so I push myself to the yes and the hell yes, because I know I was built for this and it is my mission about being here. And if I am here to help people get there and use a voice and be seen in a most positive, healthy way, then I must be in front of as many people as possible to create change. So I'm yeah, I'm okay with the discomfort. I get it. It hasn't fully gone away, but Mm -hmm. I still get on stage and I speak to very large audiences. I am interviewed now all the time. I've been doing that for a long time. If someone wants me on camera, I'm on camera, whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is the universe. Just keep showing me the door and I'll keep stepping through it. I'll deal with the feelings. You know, maybe at some point that doubt or or confusion about you know that duality that is yeah. still a little bit there from childhood will yeah. fully resolve but i don't have to wait for it to resolve i don't okay. have to be perfect before i do what i do i just have to do it
0: yes i love that absolutely very inspirational so whenever we look at clients that you're you know really targeting who would be the best type of people to call you
1: Yeah. So I really do get spiritual professionals. It's it's, period. And that means uh, business people, entrepreneurs, healers, speakers, coaches, period. Interestingly enough, I totally have women that I work with Uh and I get a lot of men. I get a lot of men who get it Mm -hmm. and get very excited by what I create. And the thing I've learned to do with everybody, men and women, is that I do something called a visibility strategy call because I think sometimes for some people, it's a big leap to go from knowing you, feeling excited about you and what you offer, but all of a sudden here's this huge package. So, right. I make it really simple. I do a $97, 45-minute 40, strategy visibility call, and I ask them some questions ahead of time, and then I do some research. And When we get on, it is a content filled 45 minutes, and I let them know everything that's going on for them. Also out in the online world and what's working, what's not working. I give them so much feedback that honestly, just based on that, they can go out and make a year's worth of changes. Often people will turn around and say, all right, what's next? How can we work together? Because it's a very exciting process. But again, at the very least, they walk out with so much uh, so much comprehension, more than they ever had before, and it can address so many different pieces. Whether someone wants to do a podcast, be interviewed on a podcast, write a book, uh, just you know, write something shorter, take it to bestseller, whatever is in their wheelhouse to do and be. And the piece of that too with visibility is: what's your dream? What have you not created yet? That right. you want to see in place this year. Yes. That's what we do.
0: Oh, gosh, I need you, girl. I need you. <laughs> I think I struggle with that imposter syndrome quite a bit, it, it drives me crazy. Um, You offer so much. Now, one of the things that entrepreneurs tell me often where they struggle is creating a product. They don't know what their product is. They can do this, 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 and this, but what
1: are they going to sell? Do you help them hone in on a product as well? You know, so very clearly in in entrepreneurship today, we really have a niche and what our specialties are. So that would be somebody else. And it's interesting because I know people who do business coaching that I've worked with, and I know someone who literally that's the only thing they do is webinar and product like packaging. Boom. And it's like, that's a niche. So although I would say no, and they should really hire someone who does that. What I also want to say is I can see that. I've been in this world this online entrepreneur world for a long time so i've seen all the technology and all the changes and i have a great tribe of people who are my friends who are highly functional do really really well out in the world and what they do so i know what the market's looking for right now and then intuitively i really know what's going to resonate with somebody as a as a yes this is something i need and I'm excited about, or it just doesn't land. So from that energy, I can assist. Uh, When it comes to the execution, they really need to hire the proper tech team. Sure.
0: And that's what I felt as we were talking is that you have that intuitive ability to really read the strengths of a person so that their product is identified with passion and purpose Mm -hmm. rather than just filling a pocketbook. You know, you're able to really hone on that.
1: Thank you. And what is so interesting about it is that often I will have, not everybody, some people have been doing what they're doing a long time and very well out in the world who come to me. But there are also people who will say they think they're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is they don't really realize what their message is. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect. Yeah. It's like being a mechanic and you just don't handle your own car because you're sitting right on top of it. But it's incredible. And often when I say to somebody, I'll give you an example. There was a fitness guy, um, he, beautiful looking guy and doing amazing work out in the world. And I knew he was passionate about being a fitness dude. I mean, he has his own podcast and he's got clients. He's done a lot but he was just sort of speaking about fitness, right? And at one point he started telling me a story of the why, the why, why do you do what you do? Like, what, how did you end up here? And he was telling this whole story and this and that. And then at some point he mentioned, you know, I grew up with really unhealthy, sickly parents. And if you knew the food in my house, Mm. it was so toxic to be ingesting what we were eating. And at some point I just thought, I'm never going to go through this again. So I changed myself. And then I looked at my parents and thought, no child should ever go through this. That parents need to become wise about nutrition and exercise in their kids. And I became an advocate. And I was like, oh, my right. kid, stop there. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, we tooled it and re-edited it so it could be a one sentence. I am, so I do. Yes. Points, and then here's the resolution, so they yeah. get. Completely has changed his life because wow. now imagine when he shows up for you know him even being interviewed out there in a magazine or a podcast or otherwise, and they're like, "Why, you know, tell me about yourself?" Well, I'm this, and da 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 da, and here's why. Yes. whole different conversation all of a sudden. Powerful opens all the doors. So the messaging piece that you're talking about, and where packaging, pricing. Uh, products land, it has to be that passion you talked about, that connection to our isness and yeah. why we're really here, why we're doing what we're doing, that it's so much bigger than us.
0: Absolutely. So, before we go, and I am so thankful for you being here, before we go, in one or two sentences, share exactly what your services are and how people can reach you if they're interested in hiring you, whether it's services, public speaking, etc.
1: Beautiful. So easy peasy. I mean, my website is the place to go. D-E-B-B-I, D E B B I, D is in David, A C H I N G E R. It's an Austrian name, so it's Debbie Dashinger Dachinger.com. And as far as where I speak, uh, you know, get in touch with me there, or my email, which I'm happy to give out, is Deb on the Radio, D E B on the Radio at gmail.com. And As far as what I do, I am a media personality, and I am a visibility expert. I help people with what feels like a puzzle out there, and they have the desire, but they don't know how to put together the pieces of writing a book, taking it to bestseller, and then becoming visible by being interviewed for their brilliance, their message, their products, their books. And I help that entire process because my belief and what I know because of the proof of what I've created and my clients is that it will catapult your career exponentially into success so quickly when you understand how to use it, how to show up, and how to knock it out of the ballpark. It will work on your behalf in a way that nothing else in business really does and you truly do become the go-to expert. And if I may offer, if anybody, I have set up a new anthology book. Mm. I am currently looking for authors for the chapters. We have people who are signing on who have already sent me applications and are getting accepted, and the first applications are – the ones who are going to be, of course, in the beginning of the book. We just honored that process that you'll sure. get the first chapters. But there are 25 chapters, so we are, we are just open this up. And if you're interested, it's at debbid.net slash anthology. It's D E B B I D dot net slash anthology. And you're going to love this. The anthology book is called I Am Still Here. Wow. And I know Trials? Goosebumps. Yeah, goosebumps, right? <laughs> I am still here. Trials turned into transformation. So we're looking for stories like what Christy does on her show and what she helps illuminate out into the world. And just know it's not just just writing your chapter. I am making this because I believe in an incredible experience. So I'm going to be teaching people writing. I'm going to just do two strategy calls. It's going to be You know, so if people want to go on and not just write a chapter, but get their feet wet and are ready to write a full book, they'll have some information. There will be seasoned people out there who have already written and are ready to write more. I myself, besides my three books, I'm in 12 anthologies, and it's also going to include a global press release. I'm going to run... The bestseller book launch on it, which I always guarantee, we're going to come up with two covers so they can all the authors can choose. I'm going to get them interviewed on three podcasts and more and even more. So you can go there, debbyd.net/anthology. Look up what you see and enjoy. It's it's awesome. And by the way, there's also a video there, so I'm already giving out content. And if you want to learn about how how to write a book, mm-hmm. I gave away a lot. Uh, in a video that's been out there, so enjoy that as well. Thank you so much for your generosity, and truly,
0: your your wound of lack of visibility has catapulted you into this beautiful future and present day living of uh, teaching every person that they have value, regardless of where they come from. So. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. And I just appreciate you and look forward to
1: airing this so other people can hear you too as a hero, Debbie. Thank you. I loved being your shiro, and I love what you're doing, Christy. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to Knights of the Revolutionary Leader, conversations of influence and change. Each show, we bring you a guest of revolutionary influence by living a life of nobility, courage, and authenticity. To meet other Knights of the Round Table or to be a guest on this show, go to christynights.com. Join us next week as we cross the bridge to meet the next Knight to join the Round Table of Revolutionary Leaders of Influence and Change.